Hallo und herzlich willkommen. Mein Name ist Christiane Wirz. Ich bin Coach und Autorin aus Köln und weiß, wie sich etwas aus Krisen machen lässt. Manchmal zumindest, muss ich sagen, in diesen doch äh, teilweise beklemmenden und äh, sehr, sehr schwierigen Zeiten, die wir jetzt alle durchleben. Und natürlich weiß ich auch nicht alles und weiß ich vor allen Dingen auch nicht alles besser. Aber ein bisschen Krisenerfahrung habe ich schon und ich begrüße heute jemanden, der auch Krisenerfahrung hat und zwar im Bereich Mental Health. Es ist Wendell Fields. I switched to English, Wendell. Hi, Wendell. Uh, welcome to this podcast. Um, please introduce yourself a little bit. Uh, where are you from and how did we get to know each other? All righty. Well, um, good morning um, for some and good afternoon for others. My name is Wendell Fields. Oh, yeah, I like that one. I like that one. Let me say it again. Let me say it again. My name is Wendell Fields. Woo! God, dog. Woo! Man, in the morning, that thing gets me woke and get me ready. And I tell you, but at one point in time, ladies and gentlemen, I hate it. I hate it hearing my name. When I heard that name, I associated it with I'm in trouble in some type of way. And what changed my view was a wonderful woman by the name of Philandra Johnson. I used to work with her at another organization and she saw me for the first time, maybe in five or seven years. And she saw me at the elevator and she only saw my view from a side view. And in that, she said, when Dale feels. And that was my first time hearing my name in such a positive way that that's the way I introduce myself to others that don't know me in that way. So one, hey, you can remember my name, but two, the this to continue her legacy of helping me to appreciate and celebrate my name by doing that. So it's an honor and a pleasure, ladies and gentlemen, to meet you. Um, I'm an individual that has a lot of energy sometimes. And in that, it, it will come out and you will hear it this day. But um, my bio is sort of interesting. Now, I have over 28 years of working in the mental health and substance use field, okay? I have also 14 years of working in a mobile crisis response intervention field, okay? I am a suicide attempt survivor in 2008. I am a winner, I say a winner of the Viewpoint Health Extra Mile Award recipient in June of 2019 for assisting um, and helping someone not take their life by jumping off the um, banner um, of stairs um, in the building, as well as preventing an incredible situation um, from um, happening where a person could have um, busted the windows of the organization and jumped out the window. So that's how I got that award. I am a co, a co-author of a best-selling book with Miss Vanessa Abrams, ladies and gentlemen. And that book is "There Is No Health Without Mental Health Anthology: Men and Mental Health." Hey, let's talk about it, okay? Okay. I'm a part of the cast of the um, um, award-winning uh, documentary with Kevin Hines, a suicide, the ripple effect. And I am a certified QPR, um, calm, as well as youth mental health first aid instructor. So that's a little bit about good old me. And my mentor is with us today, Miss Vanessa Abrams. And let me tell you, she is a woman of grace, essence, and power, ladies and gentlemen. 
And um, I'm just honored to have her with me today just to be supportive. Um, and, and if she would like to share, she's welcome to share in, in this opportunity um, with us today. Okay, thank you, Wendell. This is very impressive. We have to hear more about the details. Vanessa is with us. Is with us. I'm very happy for that. Um, Vanessa, what exactly is your connection with Wendell and how did you get to know each other? Well, first of all, good morning, good afternoon. Uh, I'm Vanessa Abram, the CEO and the visionary behind Self-Discovery, Pain Positioning and Purpose Incorporated. We are a 501c3 that's on a mission to eradicate suicide by educating the masses around the world. Um, Wendell and I, I can't, I don't even recall how we met, but it's been um, it's, it's, it's been a wrap since the very first time we've met. Um, I really cannot say where we have met, but it seems like we've known each other forever. He's been on my panels. He's again, he's, he is in this award-winning, um, book, Men and Mental Health. Let's talk about it. And one thing that he did forget is to, um, let you all know that he and I were in DBHDD, um, documentary around first responders where I was the wife of the gentleman that took his life and Wendell was the one that came on the scene to comfort me. So it's like it, right now we're inseparable. So um, just as the Lord blesses me, I just want to bless others. And he's, he is a great person and a, uh, a great person that is coachable and that's willing to learn. I mean, he's already out here doing the work and living that life. And th these are the type of people that I navigate to, those that are in the trenches with me. I, too, am a suicide survivor, and I am a sibling survivor. Uh, my older brother passed five years ago. Um, he was a U.S. Army decorated veteran, and he passed by suicide. So that pain, again, self-discovery, pain, positioning, and purpose. Self-discovery is not who you are, who you are not, but yet who you are becoming. Our pain, my pain, positions me for purpose. So thus, self-discovery, pain, positioning, and purpose. Thank you, Vanessa, for sharing that. So just to um, underline that again, you lost your husband, you lost your brother because of suicide. And this is... Not my brother. No, no. I mean, not my husband. No, no. That was in, in a documentary. Ah. That the gentleman played as my husband. He was he was an actor. We were acting. So not my husband, but my brother. Yes, ma'am. Okay, so your brother committed suicide. Yes, actually, and and I'll have to say, technically and and politi politically correct, here in the states, and this is one thing that I am teaching as I am learning and growing. Committed is not the accurate word. It's either passed by or completed by or died by suicide. Because when we say committed, it's like they broke a law or something of that nature. So we say died by or completed, uh, completed suicide or passed by suicide. So um, yes, my brother did pass by way of completed suicide. So you mean committed sounds like he's accused of um, having committed something. Exactly. Like a bad exactly. act. And, and mm -hmm. yes, that's right. And that's, that's, these are some of the things that Wendell and I are learning and helping people to correct that and be, you know, correct in saying that because when I hear that, you know, um, it, it definitely, I'm already bleeding, still bleeding, I have a bleeding heart and hurting. It, it still hurts the more, but it, healing, Healing comes when I'm able to learn and then be able to correct my actions all while sharing with others to correct their actions. So, yes, ma'am. Yeah. Vanessa and Wendell, you, you wrote a book together or uh, could you explain that a little bit further? Okay. Well, how we, how we met um, Ms. Abrams is, uh, is by the book actually a friend, a mutual friend of ours by the name of Jennifer Wiles. Um, she got in contact with me and said, hey, a person is uh, writing a book about suicide. And I think it would be a great idea if you you contributed. And I'm like, a book? Oh, Lord, I'm going to share my, my, my story <laughs> in this book that everybody can read. And 
I had hesitations. I was scared. Um, that stigma um, that was there, it, it, it really had shaped my mindset and my behavior and my response. But I gave it a try. And I, I contacted um, Mrs. Abrams. And I'm from there, we just hit it off. And when I say hit it off, it was like, hey, she shared her story. I shared my story. And it was a good fit. Um, and from there, um, the book and the formulation and the coordination of it, I tell you, it, it was on and popping. And, and that's how we met. And I can let her talk about the concept of the book, but I just shared a part of it, you, you know, and it's sort of like a finger um, that's part of a fist. You know, I'm just a part of it. And but this is her baby. This is her child. And she allowed me to nurse it and help her with it. So the, the title of the book is um, Men and Mental Health. That's true. No, it is. There is no health without mental health and biology. Men and mental health. Let's talk about it. So this is not the same. You, 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 you contributed to two books. No, just one book. But okay. that, that ah, okay. title is... Sorry, the, sorry, yeah. sorry. Now, now I got it. So okay. it's, it's both. It's, there is no health without mental health and men and mental health. It's focusing on the experiences of men, especially because maybe there even is a, a little bit um, still more stigma and pain and um, fear to talk about um, mental health, let's say for men than for women. Yes, yes. And, and um, Mrs. Abrams, she, she can talk about the uh, vision that she had with this book. And it, it a better under, help others to understand the purpose and mission of the book. So Miss Miss Abrams, if you're able to contribute and Sure, sure. The reason behind the book, number one, just as I stated, my brother passed by suicide. Men are suffering. Men suffer in silence. And actually on the cover is my husband. And he too suffered silently until one one during one of our tours Uh, I believe it was in Jackson, Mississippi, so pre-pandemic, um, when he began to speak. So there are so many men that are afraid to speak about their mental wellness um, to the fact of it creates a barrier and it builds up on the stigma. Um, we're learning that many men, you know, by nature, are masculine and strong and things of that nature. But then when you speak about your weakness, you may be thought of as weak, which is the total opposite as it relates to mental wellness. When a person talks about mental wellness, that's a sign of strength. One of our taglines for self-discovery is no shame, no silence, no stigma, no suicide. So there's no shame, there's no silence that will create no stigma and no suicides if we talk about it. And that's one of the things that I commend uh, Wendell on is he is he's, he's not afraid to talk about it. The more he talks, the more healing is exchanged between himself and those that he is speaking to. So it is so important for all of us to understand that there is no health without mental health. We all have a degree of mental illness, just like we can catch a cold, just like, you know, diabetes or cancer. This is no different. This is no different. But yet with Christine, if I were to say back in back years ago, hey, I'm getting ready to go see my therapist, you know, someone would have made fun of me. Oh, so you're crazy or whatever the case may be. No, ma'am, no, sir. That doesn't mean I'm crazy. As a matter of fact, I'm taking care of my health. So these are things that we are really, really working to bring to the forefront so that we will stop losing our men to suicide. Yes. Ooh, I told you she's amazing. I'm trying to tell you she's amazing. She's amazing. She's amazing. Vanessa, the, the book was released 
when was the book released? I have many anthologies, so I don't know. And then we also have curriculums as well. And anthologies are put in place again to bring a group of people together and let's talk about it and share our strengths that will create healing. So, you know, that's what the anthology is about. It's about bringing people together. Okay. So, um, so we have a little anthology here with this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not just about mental health, but a lot about mental health. Uh, and um, Wendell, could you share your story here with us? When was the the biggest challenge, uh, and um, how did you come out of it? Well, ladies and gentlemen, my story is interesting because I was born in difficult times and hard times. And it came to the point of a doctor asking my grandmother, who do you want to live? Do you want your daughter or do you want your grandson to live? Now, my grandmother was a woman of faith. And in that, she said, both of them are going to live. And in so, That's how it happened, although there were complications that my mom was going through. At that time, my mom had eclampsia. And eclampsia is um, a condition where people who are pregnant go through so much changes in, uh, in their body that my mom was experiencing seizures, incontinence. Um, she was literally going blind sometimes and passing out and fainting. Um, and that's all because of the pregnancy. And that's what was going on to the point where they had to ask the doctor, um, who do you want to live? Because I was causing my mother so much agony and pain. And with that, my grandmother said, both of them are going to live. And, and in that, My, my birth experience was twofold. One, I got stuck in the birth canal. And then they had to push me back up the birth canal. And then they did a C-section on my mom to pull me out and make it so bad, ladies and gentlemen. I only weighed two pounds, 10 ounces when I was born. So I could fit, you could fit my whole body in a baseball cap. And in that, they placed me in an incubator and I had a touch of ammonia, ladies and gentlemen. And that's how I was introduced into this world <laughs> in an incubator, okay? And in this, I got healthy. So, you know, I got more weight on me and not only that, but uh, I, I got healthy. and in yeah, maybe in a couple of months or so, I was released from the hospital and introduced into the world as Wendell J. Fields. Oh, yeah, well, I tell you, boy, I wasn't crawling. I was, uh, you know, they strolled me in the little stroller and I looked in the world and, and oh, man, the sights, the sounds, the smells. Woo! And I was in the arms of a loving family. How about that? A world of innocence. Oh, yeah. And there I was growing up, climbing trees and, man, just enjoying life. And then came confusing touches, touches of molestation by both men and women. And... That was at the age of four and all that innocence, all that joy in life was taken. And I was confused. I didn't understand. And in that, ladies and gentlemen, things just started happening. I mean, due to my size and appearance, even because of my race, I was picked on. I was bullied. From a young age, I, yeah, I got those touches of being bullied. And as a result, I became shy. I was mediocre. And I wasn't even much to look at. 
my my school performance was horrible. And in this, of all things, my mom now, my mom put me in an oratorical contest, ladies and gentlemen. And and I won it. <laughs> this this short little joker, maybe 50 pounds or more. He won. I, I won the whole thing. And in that, it gave me such a oomph of life. It gave me such a, a boost in life. I felt like I belonged. I felt like people didn't see me as that small frame boy any longer because of that one accomplishment. But with this newfound confidence, ladies and gentlemen, when I went to high school, I had went to a Catholic elementary school for a very, very long time. But when I went to high school, you know, they didn't they didn't have uniforms there. And I decided to dress myself. And ladies and gentlemen, ooh, it was brutal. I got bullied because of how I dressed. I mean, that was an introduction, ladies and gentlemen, of not just being bullied because of my clothes, but that was the first time I even heard a racial slur come my way. All of a sudden, that confidence that I had, ladies and gentlemen, gone. And I started really doing bad in school. In fact, I got caught plagiarizing out of a, a book for an assignment. And the teacher, she, she looked at me and she said, Wendell, what's wrong with you? You're a smart young man. I want you to do this assignment over. And I want you to use a dictionary and a thesaurus. And I want you to put these things and ideas in your own words. I did the assignment over. And because of how the teacher approached me, it made me say, ooh, she saw something yeah. in you. She believed in yeah. you. Yeah. And, and she changed my trajectory in how I looked at education. And I could do education. She changed so much my mindset that I started getting A's and B's and C's wow. and maybe one D. But I used to be a C, E, F, G, all those <laughs> lower <laughs> letters <laughs> but, all, this, all those other important letters <laughs> <laughs> and and i mean it she built my confidence in learning and in that i decided that i wanted to go to college and i decided to go to tuskegee university in tuskegee alabama and ladies and gentlemen instead of Instead of getting my education, I pursued being liked. I partied, I drank, I even chased so many girls, it was pathetic. And I got on academic probation like nobody's business, not once, twice, three times. And then I tried to pledge a fraternity. And in that, my grades were horrible. They were back to the Ds, maybe once. C, B, maybe. But ladies and gentlemen, it ended up that um, with trying to pledge this fraternity and not pledging, I got threatened. I got threatened to be hurt and harmed and possibly even killed. And that's when I left. And I went to all the way to Tulsa, Oklahoma, ladies and gentlemen, to Oral Roberts University, all Christian uh, school. And of course, my grades <laughs> went up, A's, B's, and C's, because I didn't have the distraction of one to be like. I had the attraction of trying to form a relationship with God through a school, through study and education. And it, it, it changed my life somewhat, but it ended up, ladies and gentlemen, that of all things, I had a hernia and that hernia was causing me so much pain that I had to get an operation. And in that, it stopped the progress that I was making. 
in my education to the point where I got on academic probation and I got asked to go home. You all, I felt horrible. All of this work that my parents did, I was ashamed. I felt like a failure. And although when I got home, I immediately got a great and wonderful job working with the state of Georgia in the United States. And though I got that wonderful job and, hey, I got married <laughs> at 23 years old, as well as I got in the ministry. And I became the best youth pastor ever. But yet still, I felt ashamed and I felt like a failure. And I tell you, although I got that job, the job wasn't paying a whole lot. And though I got married, yet in 13 years, ladies and gentlemen, I got a divorce. And in that ministry that I was in, I went to another church and became the executive pastor of a church. And due to scandal in that church, I had to leave the executive pastor uh, position. You all, I felt so bad. And with the divorce happening and with the child support, I felt like I lost, I lost freedom. I lost the ability to generate revenue because child support was taking that money now. And in this, ladies and gentlemen, it ends up that um, with all the feelings I've had, with being bullied, with being um, molested, with um, the low expectation in school and, and, and everything like that, ladies and gentlemen, it came to a crescendo when I was presented with an arrears. So what arrears is, it says that you owe back child support meaning that I didn't pay child support within the number of years or, or months or days. And it was a lie. I was presented with a notice and in that I had to present and show evidence that I really did pay child support. And I'm so lucky that I had um, copies of the receipt showing in which the child's mother got payment, but I had it up to here. It was too cruciating and I felt like all I was was an ATM machine, just giving money, giving money. That's all I was good for. And at this time, I hadn't seen my son and, and he was three at this time in a little while. And in that, ladies and gentlemen, I had it. I had enough. I had enough of life. And that's when I chose to take my life through getting hit by an incoming train of all things. And tried to take my life that way. That was in 2008. 2008. This is when I tried to take my life. And um, I tell you, it was the lowest point in my life. And I was struggling so hard with the thoughts of being a failure, with the thoughts of feeling like I'm nobody. I I'm not even loved by people. And it ended up um, that as I was trying to get hit by the train, it ends up that um, as I'm getting ready to cross, uh, getting ready to cross the rail because there's an intersection like crossroads there. And uh, at that intersection, I just remembered hearing a voice outside of myself saying two words. And those words were your son. And not only did that voice say it loud, the voice said it twice and said, your son. 
And in my head, I was like, that's who I'm doing it for. They can get the insurance money. And that will be my gift and contribution to my son. All I know is that after hearing that, I remember driving and I remember letting the steering wheel go. And in that, the train was coming on my right hand side. The steering wheel turned to the left. It turned away from the incoming train. And you, I you have been saved by this coincidence? By letting yeah. it go? Yeah. In letting that storm wheel go, it turned to the left. And I I don't know what actually went on, but I saw it turning to the left. And I don't know if I hit uh, a bump in the road or, or, or what it was, but it turned to the left and the car immediately turned to the left and away from the train. And I remember um, a little embankment and and it hit a pole that was on the left hand side of me. The car came to a stop and I cried like a baby. And you all, I had to have cried for a good half an hour or more. And I cried and I said, I need help. I need help. I need help. That's when I changed some and went to getting help. <sighs> you always, it's the roughest thing I've ever done. And um, in this, you all, I just remembered I wanted to get help, and I remember going to the the doctors, and I remember going to the therapy sessions, and I hated it because I felt like it wasn't helping me. I was too afraid of medications because my mom, she was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, and I saw how the medications caused her to have so many side effects. And I was scared. I was scared of the medications. I was scared of I was scared because I wasn't able to manage on my own this thing anymore. And the medications I tried and I had terrible side effects. I tried the therapy and I hated it. I felt like it didn't give me no direction. It didn't give me any purpose. And I decided, ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm not going to do any of this. And for 10 years, I struggled with those decisions even more. I didn't, things didn't break for me until 2018, where I, I was able to hear a magnificent man by the name of Kevin Hines. Kevin Hines is the gentleman that jumped off the Golden State Bridge in America and survived. But in this, he told his story of when he jumped off that bridge in midair, he said, what am I doing? I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I want to live. I want to live. And that man, he was saying what I was crying inside, yelling, in fact, I want to live. I want to live, but I'm scared too. And I'm, I don't know how. 
that man gave me so much encouragement. He gave me so much hope that afterwards I went to him, tears in my eyes. And I said, man, you saved my life today. Because here it is, I'm thinking about taking my life again. And he brought it to a perspective of what happened if I went on and tried to take my life and physically I caused more harm than good. I could become paralyzed. I could become so many things. And this guy changed the, my mindset about my life and what I could do and seeing him share his story and what he went through because he's a person that went through and deals with having bipolar disorder with psychotic features, hearing voices, seeing the, those things. And he just changed my life. And I still was afraid to go get help. And here come the most amazing other person, Teresa Johnson. Teresa Johnson was my supervisor on my job. And she noticed that my job performance had been going down. And in this, ladies and gentlemen, she ended up saying, hey, what's going on with you? What's wrong? And I had an opportunity to be honest and vulnerable with her. Or I could say a lie. And I chose to be vulnerable and honest. She said, Wendell, I think you're depressed and I think you need to go get help. And I shared with her my stories of therapy and I shared about the medications and everything. And then this is what she said. I know your fear. I am a person that deals with depression. And I take these meds and they help me. In her nice, calm voice, it soothed me. And it exposed me to being able to go get help. And this is what helped. She said, how about we go together to the doctor's office so you don't be alone? I was so heartstruck and I was so grateful that I didn't have to face this by myself. It gave me the courage to go in. Although I refused her offer, I went in by myself. And ever since then, this is in 2018, I've been taking my medications faithfully. But I, I found out that medications is just not the all and end all. You have to have some other components in there. It's sort of like a holistic approach to getting well. And in that, I learned how to use physical exercise, going to the gym and, and running and doing various exercises. That contributes to my health. I found out that going to do annual checkups it is so important, ladies and gentlemen, that you do your annual checkups because it's going to allow you to make some great and wonderful decisions about how you want to pursue your health and get better. And in that, I found out that I have diabetes type two. And in that, I found out also that I have sleep apnea. And those two things affects your mood and how you manage your emotions. And when you get those things together, it really does help out, but it's not the end of those things. I found out that, hey, getting involved in my community. And um, I'm now a minister at another church and getting involved in that and helping others. But, also learning how to use the community resources as well as supports that's out there, the warm lines, the hotlines, um, those type of things. And in that, it has been keeping me going, encouraged, 
And when I say reaching out in the community, that's when Vanessa Abrams comes in. That's when you come in, Christine, because you all have opened up an opportunity for others to not just share their story, but to come out and have the courage to help others. And that's what both of you all do. You all put in an atmosphere, an environment in which others can come in and share not just their story, but share their hopes, their dreams, their doing left and right and integrating people, places and things together to form such a bridge of hope and help and love that, wow, you know, you can't help but grow and get better. And so thank you. Thank y'all so much for how and what you do and having the courage to step out and say, I'm going to help others this way because you are surely, surely helping me. Thank you, Wendell. Um, so what would you say, Wendell? What really changed? I mean, you, you spoke about Theresa and you spoke about um, Kevin. These were people who suffered themselves. Yes. Is that something that turned your story? Yes. It I felt like I wasn't alone. I felt like people who had experience in that particular disorder or that they had a mental health challenge and how they overcame it, they helped me to step out in the light of being vulnerable and honest. It's okay to do. But yet you got to seek out the help that comes along with that. And hearing their stories, them sharing the hurt, the pain, the agony, the struggle, it gave me something to not only relate to, but to see them, how they overcame all of that. It, it causes me to devise a plan of action for myself. To get better. Yes. So, Wendell, you would say that you are more or less okay. I mean, you have some little struggles like uh, type uh, 2 diabetes or uh, other things, but, and you have to have maybe you have to, you're suffering maybe a little bit from side effects of the, of the medication, but in general, you feel comfortable in your life? Oh, man, I feel like 100% keep on going yippee-ki-yay, man. That's what I'm talking about. Woo! And, 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 and it only gets better. But those are the things that help me. But I got to continue to build tools, develop tools, get tools that help me to live even a more functional, a better life. Because I know that there is better. I have to work at getting better because now it's good, but yet I still have some areas in which I have to grow in, mature in, and, and develop skills and abilities in those areas. And it's, it's wonderful, guess what, to learn again. Oh, I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm learning how, I'm learning this, I'm learning that. And it's exciting. It's like when a child goes on a playground for the first time, and they see all the apparatus, the all the, the items out there on that um, playground field, and they see the, the slides, they see the merry-go-round, they see the, 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 the monkey bars. I mean, and it's like, ooh, life is alive again. And ooh, I want to learn this. Ooh, I want to learn how to do that. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And then it's amazing when you have other people around you that's learning the same thing and you can join in. That's what you, Christine, and you, Mrs. Abrams, y'all bring that. Y'all bring that to where it's like, I don't have to do this learning by myself. 
I got friends. <laughs> That's perfect. Wendell, we record this podcast episode uh, at the end of November. It will be released in December. And um, November is a little bit a time where people get a little bit more depressed than usual because there is no warm yes. weather. And anyway, we have these uh, COVID problems, um, the new variant, and um, this is uh, depleting for everybody and maybe especially for some people. And uh, let's say during the holiday season, some people who are not blessed with the most happy family feel under mm -hmm. more pressure even than usually. So is there something that you can heal or comfort the hearts and the minds of people who are depressed uh, during these days? Well, one thing I, I am honored to say that I'm a part of now is NAMI, of all things, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Oh, my goodness. I have become a partner with them in the in our own voice um, presentation. And in that, ladies and gentlemen, I learned that NAMI has so many. When I say so many, they got so many programs out there to help individuals that's coping and, and trying to deal with various things at this time. And, and so they have things that are peer to peer, people who um, have mental health challenges and they're able to share their story with another. Um, they have family education. Um, they have individual education. They have so many programs that will assist and they have a, a, a 24-7 type of like crisis line also. And so NAMI is out there and, I, and I'll share that information shortly, but I want to just give a preference or, or an intro that, hey, NAMI is out there for those that might be going through. And also in the States, we have what is called a warm line that is CARES. Now this is a Georgia Council on Substance Abuse warm line for individuals that might use alcohol or drugs to try to cope and deal with maybe a mental health challenge. And we have those type of warm lines that people can call and I'll give contact information about that um, shortly. But you have these other um, marvelous and giving programs that help people during these, these such these times, you know, and um, they understand how difficult it is. Some people are dealing with trauma. Some people are dealing with um, just various um, obstacles that come up during these um, holidays. And um, with the variant, oh my goodness. You know, for the African-American race, it's been a hard road because People have chose, chosen to use us as guinea pigs at some point in time with various chemicals and things, and they didn't value African-American lives. And in that, racism is there. And African-Americans are afraid of man's technology, <laughs> if you will, because we've been the subjects of hurt, pain, and it wasn't self-discovery. It was more of their discovery on how something can affect our lives. And so um, we're learning how to trust, but some individuals are making it hard to trust them in the way of their speech, in the way of their actions, in the way of their behaviors. And I've heard a man of God say, change is not change until you change. 
And in that, you have to change your mentality. In that, you have to change your heart, your mind, your response. And in that, that goes for mental health, too, and how people view it. Stop stigmatizing. Stop prejudging us. Stop all of it. And let us and look at us as a human being, just like you are, who has gifts, talents, and abilities that can help society and not bring it down. Thank you, Wendell. So you, you mentioned NAMI. This is very important for the U.S. In, yeah. in Europe, uh, let's say in Germany, um, for the upcoming days uh, during the holidays, you can count on something that is called the Telefonseelsorge. Um, I've worked with them during the last month, especially, and uh, talked with them about my experience, and they have been very uh, empathetic. And um, I'm sure that uh, if somebody uh, is, is trying to call for help here in Germany and doesn't want to call uh, to the US, what might be possible? <laughs> what might be possible? I mean, why not, you know? Why not? I would but, hope uh, so. Yes, you know, but, uh, and, and also in the US, I mean, if, if you uh, try to uh, understand this German language, you can call the Telefonseelsorge. This is <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> you, you will find people. You will find people with uh, open hearts and knowledge uh, how to deal with um, urgent cases and. Yes. Um, so Wendell, so let's try. Let me yes. Let me do this also, um, um, Mrs. Abrams. If you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit more with the uh, NAMI um, organization and what it offers, and I know we we have some time, um, but it's coming down. <laughs> but but if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit, because I want to give my mentor an opportunity here yes. also, just to share. Perfect, Vanessa. Go ahead. Sure, I'll be quick. And um, also um, with that, too, we have an evaluation that if you, Christine, could click, 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 I'm going to go ahead and submit it to you now about, you know, we're sharing about the National Alliance for Mental Illness, which is the largest grassroots organization in the world. There's one in every state. And NAMI, outside of my faith, Christine, and Wendell knows this, NAMI was my saving grace outside of my faith when my brother passed because I was going to attempt again and I never heard of NAMI and I went to NAMI and I kept going back kept going back they feed you so much information about your brain about mental illness about mental health about mental wellness they have veteran programs they have groups for children they have um programs where you go into the high schools and you talk to the high school children around the importance of mental health there is just a variety I mean it's a plethora of rich information that NAMI provides to the community. And I am one that I partner with them. And everywhere that I teach and speak, I always talk about NAMI because NAMI has really been great and just has been a, an asset to me. And that's why I get people on and involved, such as Wendell and many other people, so they too can get that richness in the education so that they can become better in, in knowledge and wisdom as it relates to mental health and wellness. So yeah. And then again, I put that evaluation in there. You can, it's really simple and real quick. You click, 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 you know, share what you've learned and um, if there's anything we can do better and the demographics as well. So that NAMI also can know too, you know, what it is that they can do better or how well we are doing representing NAMI. Thank you, Vanessa. You're welcome. When we talk about NAMI, uh, one of your advocates is uh, Juan Acosta, who, uh, who did an interview with us, uh, I think, last year? I don't know exactly, but, but he's one of my interview guests, uh, or was one of my interview guests, uh, too. Uh, Vanessa and Wendell, just um, let's pray and hope that this virus... I don't want to say that we want to... that we overcome this crisis as uh, a human world community and that we all will have some peaceful days 
at the end of this year and the beginning of next year. And that we might see each other one day uh, in person. And uh, if not very soon, that we see each other, I don't know, virtually. And um, so I want to thank you, both of you. Thank you, Wendell, for sharing this very moving story. Wendell and a brave story and um, again I um, maybe women are really a little bit different I mean like uh, I really think it's 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 more difficult you, know, you it's really you know that women are different than men you know I, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> and you know that men can't be vulnerable they can't show emotion they have to be the tough guy they have to be a leader and they always got to do 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 instead of be 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 yes. and and that's what some of the issues and the problems is that we have to display so much manlyhood in the mindset of us being manly that we forget that we are human and we forget that we have emotions, we have feelings, and we are traumatized, and we do go through hard um, hardships and challenges, and we don't know what to do or how to do or when to do. And we have to gain those strengths, those skills, those abilities that will help us to live a longer life. Yeah. Now, with me and my medical issues, I've learned that they, yes, they're challenging, but I still have a choice and a ability to respond in a healthy manner than not doing anything at all or being self-destructive through using alcohol, drugs, or other means. And it's like, I'm still learning. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And uh, for those that might be hearing this in the U.S., hey, get with NAMI. Call the 1-800-950-6264 number. They're there to help you. And if you're in Georgia, the state of Georgia, you can call 1-800-715-4225. That is the Georgia Crisis and Access Line. Now, if you're in another state, you can still call and they will connect you with the other states that are involved in crisis stabilization type stuff and feel. You're never alone, ladies and gentlemen. You are never alone. You might think and feel you are, but you are never, ever alone. And for those individuals that might be using drugs or alcohol, hey, look at the CARES warm line. And you can call them at 1-844-326-5400-24-7 out of the whole year, 365 days. They're open. They got their lights on. They waiting on you. And you got people that care. To Miss Abrams, to Christine, thank you so much for the opportunity to share and uh, be vulnerable and be honest. And thank you for your platform of, of having mental health be the subject and upfront and how we can help one another. You're doing a magnificent job. Miss Abrams, you're doing a magnificent job and spectacular. Thank you, Wendell. Thank you, Vanessa. I'm switching to German again. Yeah, Wendell and uh, Vanessa haben uns praktisch äh, den Tipp gegeben, jetzt über die Feiertage, weil es sehr schwierig wird, vielleicht für Menschen, die sowieso mit der ein oder anderen Sache zu kämpfen haben, familiäre Probleme hatten, haben, wie auch immer. Und jetzt kommen noch ein paar andere Schwierigkeiten dazu, durch die wir ja jetzt im Moment alle gehen müssen aufgrund dieses Virus. Nicht 
falsch reagieren. Es ist immer jemand erreichbar. In den USA ist es, sind es äh, die Verbindungen Tsunami, die immer rund um die Uhr besetzt sind. Rund um die Uhr ist da immer jemand, den man erreichen kann. Und so ist es auch hier in Deutschland. Ich möchte mich für heute bedanken bei Vanessa und Wendell. Und eventuell werde ich nicht erst in zwei Wochen den nächsten Podcast veröffentlichen, sondern vielleicht schon vorher einen Interviewgast haben. Ich hoffe, es hat euch was gebracht. Ich hoffe, es hat euch ein wenig das Herz wärmen können. Und äh, wie gesagt, wir hören uns bald wieder mit dem nächsten interessanten Podcast-Gast. Es kann gut sein, dass es wieder um ein äh, Mental-Health-Thema geht. Ähm, bleibt bis dahin gesund, zumindest überwiegend gesund, sowohl seelisch als auch körperlich. Ähm, alles Gute. Tschüss.